This is HPR episode 2163 entitled GNU Orc, part 4, and is part of the series Learning Orc. It is hosted by Dave Morris and is about 31 minutes long. The summary is recapping the last episode and looking at variables in an Orc program. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hi everyone, this is Dave Morris and this is episode 4 in the GNU Orc series. And um, Be Easy and I are uh, progressing with this and we've now, well this is this is episode 4 as I say, so it means we now have a series which we've called Learning Orc. So they're all joined together so you can find them easier and that sort of thing. Okay, so what I'm going to start with this time is a recap of the previous episode, and then I'm going to go into a bit more detail about um, variables in Orc. So last in the last episode, um, you saw logical operators. They're also called Boolean operators, if that means anything to you. Uh, Boolean algebra and that type of thing. Boolean algebra has not and and or operators. Well, in Orc, the double ampersand means and, double vertical bar or pipe symbol means or. One that wasn't covered was the not operator, which is an exclamation mark. So we can generate some quite complex Boolean expressions with this, but um, I'll leave that, or we'll leave that, I'm not sure who's going to do this, but uh, we'll leave it till later because we want to deal with this in the context of other or statements in uh, in an orc program orc script so um, we'll expand on this bit later on you also saw last episode the next statement and this we discovered is a way of stopping processing on the current input record so it really does abort everything no more patterns are tested against it the pattern that's currently executing uh, the, in the well the current rule i should say the actions in the current rule are um are, are finished with stopped at that point it's a statement in a similar way to things like print and uh, so you can't use it anywhere else other than in the action part of a rule. And you, you can't use it in begin or end rules either. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So begin and end. Begin and end are actually patterns. They're, they're in capitals. Capital B-E-G-I-N and E-N-D. They're, they're patterns which are special. And they have to have to work with an action you can't have either of them without an action the actions being in curly brackets as you know 
and the whole shebang begin an action end in action make up rule in the same way as we've seen with the pattern action sequences so the begin stuff is run before the main pattern action rules are processed that is the input file or files are, are read end rules are run after everything's been been read and processed and you can have more than one begin and more than one end it doesn't actually matter which order they occur in um, in terms of the begins versus the ends but if you have multiple begins then they are executed in the order that they are encountered similarly with end so in the last episode we also started to look at variables um it's it's difficult when describing this sort of issue a la- this is effectively a language we're talking about here orc and you can't really start at the beginning and work through to the end because there isn't really a beginning, you know, because it's uh, it's quite difficult to find a linear path through it. So we're sort of going ahead into areas that haven't really been explained yet just to demonstrate certain functions and processes and so on. So um, there was a bunch of things that were, were commented on and were, that were shown last episode, variables, arrays and loops and that sort of thing. So we're going to look at uh, all of these in a bit more detail in this episode. So I'm trying to consolidate them all. Okay, that was a quick recap of where we were from last episode. And I now want to start talking about variables in relation to ORC. Now you've already seen things like NR, capital NR, capital NF, which is number the record number and the field number in the early part of the series. And in the last episode, you saw that you can create your own variables too. So what's a variable? Well, as you find in most other programming languages, it's a a named storage area that can hold a value, and it it has certain rules about how you construct the name. It uh, consists of letters, digits, and the underscore in the case of ORC, and it mustn't start with a digit. The case of the letters is significant so lowercase sum and capital s lowercase um and capital s capital u capital m are three variables that you would you would uh, speak them the same but uh, they're different the other name for these types of variables they can just hold a single value they're called scalars see that you might see that name i'm mentioning these because you might see them if you look in the manual so a variable in orc can contain a numeric value or a string value. Orc deals with the conversion of one of these to the other as appropriate. Sometimes it might mis- mistake, if you like to put it that way, what it was you intended, and it might need some assistance, but we'll, we'll refer to these later. Now, one of the things you learn as a somebody learning programming, or did so back in the, the day when I was learning this sort of stuff, is when you create a variable in a language, you need to initialize it because there's no definition of what, what it contains before you use it. But in ORC, that's not so. All variables begin as an empty string. And an empty string is the equivalent of zero if you need to use it as a number. So how do you set variables to values well you do it as you do in most languages you use an assignment so i've given an example here count equals three that's an assignment count is the name of the variable the equals is the assignment operator three is the value you're going to put into it in last episode you saw an assignment like used used plus equals dollar three what this actually means is 
increment the contents variable used, the variable with the name used, by the contents of field 3. So uses the variable, plus equals is this special type of assignment, and $3, as you already know, means field 3. There is an assumption here that $3 contains a numeric value, but we'll come on to what would happen if it didn't a bit later on. It's a shorthand version of used equals used plus $2. So what that means is add the contents of used to the contents of field 3 and then save the result back in the variable used. So the first time the variable is incremented, its contents are taken to be zero. And as I've said, it, it used to be that if you were writing in C or Fortran or Pascal or one of those sorts of older languages, compiled languages, you, you could not get away with it. But in Orc and many other scripting languages these days, it's, uh, it's not a problem. So we've started down the road of looking at arithmetic operators. Uh, so thought we would stop and look at the whole the whole list it's a pretty short list but I'll just go through them briefly there's a table in the in the long notes here which you can refer to if you need to but uh, if you've had any experience of programming most of these will be very very obvious to you one thing to note before we proceed is that all numbers in orc are floating point numbers that is they have a decimal point in them this can catch you out in some edge cases because comparing floating point numbers uh, for equality doesn't always give you the result that you would expect for one thing. But we'll, we'll highlight these as we go along. What I've done here is to put together a list based on what's in the GNU Walk User's Guide. And as before, there's a reference to it if you want to go and examine it yourself. I've listed in, um, them as they do in the order of their precedence from highest to lowest. So the first one is the circumflex character which is exponentiation so x circumflex y means x raised to the power of y so something like 2 circumflex 3 that's 2 to the power of 3 which has the value 8 in orc there is a double asterisk operator which is does the same job but it's not the standard version gnu orc and it is slightly different from standard orc so we're trying to stick to pretty much the mainstream stuff as much as possible because otherwise you, you might get caught at if you try and run your Orc script on a different machine, a different system, a BSD system or something like that, perhaps or a Mac or something. So we're not going to use the double asterisk operator. So a minus sign in front of a variable or a number obviously negates it. Plus sign in front of one is unary plus and that's actually a way in which you can tell orc to treat a variable as a number when i was typing this out i was trying to think of cases where you'd want to do that and i couldn't come up with any but hopefully some will uh, will occur to me as we go along the asterisk is multiplication the forward slash is division and there's a note here which is that because all numbers in orc are floating point, the result is not rounded to an integer. So 3 divided by 4, which would be written as 3 forward slash 4, has the value 0.75. Whereas if you did the same thing in bash, for example, which is purely integer, you type something like echo dollar open parenthesis open parenthesis 3 slash 4, close parenthesis close parenthesis, you'd get the answer 0 because it's rounded it to um, an integer, to a whole number. The percent symbol is 
the remainder after division. So x percent y is the the remainder after x has been divided by y. So three percent four is three. So it does it can't be divided by four. There's and the remainder is three. Five percent two is one because two goes into five twice, leaving one remainder. The plus sign is also addition. So x plus y is the obvious meaning, and the hyphen. Um, the minus sign is subtraction x minus y. So pretty obvious. So if we've already seen the plus equals operator, this is an assignment operator. These are shorthand forms of more verbose assignments, which is we've already looked at uh, in one particular case. So I put together a table, which is a modification of the GNU Walk User's Guide table, showing all of these operators. So you might do plus equals, minus equals, asterisk equals, slash equals, percent equals, and circumflex equal. And I think you probably get what that means in, in all of the cases. Let's just look at the last one, circumflex equals. So if you wrote variable circumflex equals power, so um, you might, might type x circumflex equals 2, what that means is raise x to the power of 2. So x becomes x squared. I wrote a little script just to demonstrate these things and uh, it's available if you want it as and it's called arithmeticassignmentoperators.org and um, it's, it's uh, I've listed its contents and it's simply a bunch of um, expressions, uh, statements which use these various operators and uh, print out the result. Yet the whole thing's in a begin rule because we don't want the script to actually do any file processing. It's just doing a little demonstration of its internal computation capabilities. Um, as I've written it, say, for example, the first line after the begin, it is x equals 42, semicolon, print, quotes, x is, close quotes, comma x so there are there are two statements there one is the assignment statement which sets x to 42 the second one is a print which prints out x is the string x is followed by the contents of x so they, there's a semicolon between them if you write two statements on a line then you need semicolons between them they could have been written on two successive lines but i just thought it looked neater doing it this way so you need semicolon statement separators if there are multiple statements on a line, but you don't need them if, if there's only one statement per line. So there's no semicolon on the end. If you're used to other languages where this is necessary, then uh, awk um, doesn't make it so. It doesn't matter if you put a semicolon on the end of the line as well. If you want to, um, there's something to be said for doing that, I guess, but uh, you don't need to. Okay. So I've got an example here of what happens when you run this, and uh, I'll not read you that because it's pretty obvious. So let's talk about type conversion. So a variable can contain a numeric value or a string at any point in time, as we've seen. When converting from a number to a string, then what you get is a string containing the, the number. It's a little bit more to it than that, but um, we'll leave that for another time. Converting from a string to a number, on the other hand, well, there needs to be something that can be interpreted as a number 
within the string. In other words, it needs to begin with a digit sequence. So my little example here uses the string 9gag.com and uh, if you set into a variable called s and then I set x equal to s plus 1 and print x, so the answer is 10. Because Orc pulled the 9 off the front of this address, IP address, and uh, simply added one to it. So the, the nine off the front was converted to a number and uh, then one was added to it. If there's no valid number in a string when you come to do this type of conversion, then awk will treat it as zero. So uh, awk will handle strings containing all sorts of numbers. So it'll handle integer numbers like the number 42, floating point numbers like 4.2, and also exponential numbers. And the notation for this, which is common in many languages, 1E3. I've used a capital E in this case, but it could also be a lowercase. 1E3 means 1 times 10 to the, to the 3, so it's a 1,000. So I've got a little example of these three strings being fed to a printf statement and print it out. And the printf uses the G format control letter, which we haven't really looked at. We're going to spend some time on these control letters a bit later on. Uh, but the G one is for printing general numbers. So it prints 42 as 42, 4.2 as 4.2, and 1E3 comes out as 1,000. Also in last the last episode, BEASY used some operators which consisted of uh, two operators together, plus plus I think he used. And these are called increment and decrement operators. And they increment or decrement the value of a variable by one. And if you've been following my series on, on bash and um, parameter expansion or various expansions, I covered arithmetic expansion where I talked about these in the bash context. You can look at episode 1951 if, you, if you've forgotten or if you're interested. So again, I've produced a list of the various variables, the various operators, I should say. So for example, plus plus variable name means increment the variable returning the new value um, as the value of the expression. So plus plus variable is different from variable plus plus because the first one, plus plus variable, means add one to it and then return the result. Variable plus plus it's called a post increment in this case. Returns the, the contents of the variable before it's had one added to it, then adds one to it. Okay, so there's a similar pair minus minus variable which um, decrements it and then returns that value, and variable minus minus which returns the value and then subtracts one from it. There's some examples of how this might be used a little bit later on in the, in the notes. So that's scalar variables. And but there's also a whole bunch of other capabilities in the shape of arrays within Orc. Orc provides one-dimensional arrays. Now there's a little note here to the effect that Orc does actually allow you to have multi-dimensional arrays. Traditional Orc offers this by a sort of a hacky solution. GNU Orc provides true arrays of arrays. But I'm not sure that we're going to cover that in this particular series because it's pretty much on the edge. If I were wanting to do this personally, I would not be using Orc to, to do it. But 
you you may think otherwise of course but uh, i think it might be best if we simply point you at the manual to to go further with this but i thought it was worth just pointing out that there's quite a lot in gnu walk the thing about arrays in orc is that they are so-called associative arrays which are also known as hashes so let's talk about what an array is it has a name and its name has got to conform to the, the rules we talked about for scalars you can't have an array called the same thing as a as a scalar variable an array can store multiple values and to get at them you use an index since this is a scripting language and it's different from compiled languages the arrays can be any length and can be expanded and con- contracted at will so given an array let's call it a we might store a value in it so we type a open square bracket one close square bracket equals and then a string i put hpr in double quotes double quotes is the way you you, you define a string in um in orc by the way so the array name is a the index is one and the contents of a square brackets one is the string hpr so if you if you're used to using arrays in other languages you might assume that the index is numeric but it's not it's a string all array indices are strings because orc arrays are these types of things they're associative you, you use a string as the index into it so it's a it's an associative array or a hash they're indexed by arbitrary string values and they make up a sort of a, a lookup table it's actually quite a powerful capability so in one of the examples in the last episode we saw um, this is just an extract from an from an example nr not equal to one that was um, a pattern open curly bracket a square bracket dollar two close square bracket plus plus close curly brace so we saw that and here the orc script was being used to produce a frequency count of colors and we were looking through the file file1.txt which you you already have a copy of i would imagine field two in this file is the name of a color so what what we're doing here is we're using the color name as an index and we're simply incrementing that array element so i've tried to explain it in text and here is what i've typed means index the array a by the string contents of field two if the element doesn't exist create it so that this this thing can be used even before there there is an a an array a or an array a with that particular element in it since orcs very relaxed about initialization this array element will be taken to be zero when it's created and then the plus plus on the end will increment it to one if the element already exists then its previous value will be incremented so if you ran this particular bit of code it was in the last um, episode it just went through all of the rows in the file one file1.txt file then if you could look at the insides of that the array when it had finished you'd find an index with the string brown and the contents would be two meaning that there were two uh, instances of the the color brown so there's an that means there's an element a open square brackets open double quotes brown close double quotes close square bracket and in that array element 
there's a number 2. I also noted that a square brackets dollar 2 plus plus is the same as a square bracket dollar 2's close square bracket plus equals 1. Both mean the same thing. Imagine you're already there ahead of me. We also saw last time the concept of looping through an array to print it out. And we had, I'll just read this out quickly without going into a lot of details, for b in a, print b a brackets b. So this was a case of sort of rushing ahead into areas that uh, we hadn't really explained yet, but it was necessary to, to get some of the, the precursor concepts sorted out. So we haven't looked at looping and other such statements in ORC yet, but um, we need to look at this one now so we can understand how you would process an entire array. So briefly, the for statement provides a way to repeat a given set of statements a number of times. We'll have a look at, at this and other related things like while and do and so forth later on. This particular variant of the for statement allows the processing of arrays and it consists of the word for, followed by in parentheses variable name, followed by the word in, followed by the name of an array. So it's saying for every element of this array. And then the for statement is followed by um, one or more statements which are being controlled by it. So the expression variable in array results in all of the index values in the nominated array being provided one at a time. And while the loop runs, the variable is set to the successive index values and the body, the body part, the, the, the dependent statements are executed. Now the body part can be a single statement or a group. If a group is used, then you have to put curly braces around them. But if there's only one statement, you only need, you don't need any, any uh, curly braces. Now one thing about the way it works is that the order in which the array index values are provided is not defined. So they sort of come out in a, in a sort of random order. It's not really random, but it's, a, it's an arbitrary, undefined or, order. Different ORC versions will use different orders in the way it processes this. Now, GNU ORC does can have extensions which allow the ordering of this, the, the index values, to be controlled. But we'll deal with this later. So let's just look at the example from the last um, episode and I've made some modifications to it, changed names and that type of thing, um, laid it out slightly differently just to demonstrate the, the concept a little bit more clearly. And this particular example is in a file which you can download from the HPR website and it's called color underscore count dot org. I've used the American spelling because uh, be easy. What had used it throughout his example, and it's basically his example I've stolen and uh, hacked around. So the array has been renamed from A to count because it holds counts or frequencies of the number of times a color is encountered. The array is indexed by the names of the colors in field two. And when we loop through the array in the end rule, we use the variable color to store the latest index. And I took out semicolons and curly braces that were not really necessary, just to really demonstrate that they could be removed without any any problem. So I'll not read this one out because you've seen the gist of it last time. Um, so you might want to check this one out just to see how different it is in terms of its its layout and use of use of variable names and so on. So when it runs, it does the same as 
the previous version does. It prints out a list of... It, it actually runs against the file called file1.csv and it prints out a CSV list, comma-section separated variable list, that should be, consisting of the, the header line, colour, comma, count, then brown, comma, two, purple, comma, two, etc. So it's just the counts of the number of occurrences of those colours. So to finish then, I want to just uh, mention the built-in variables that we've seen so far, and we saw another one um, added to the list in the last episode. So this this one is called FS, capital F, capital S, and it stands for field separator, and it's the internal variable within the awk script that matches the uh, the minus capital F option that you give to the, the command. So, for example minus capital F and then in double quotes a comma on the command line is the same as assigning FS equals double quotes comma close double quote inside the script. The statement FS equals etc needs to be in a begin rule in order that it can be set early enough in the script. You can't put it in a pattern action style rule because that happens too late. You've already grabbed the first record by then, most likely, or a record at least, and uh, and and that that was separated out based on whatever the default separator is, which is a space. So I've just put a little example here where orc hyphen f double quotes comma quote begin curly bracket print quotes fs is close quotes comma fs close curly bracket close quote and you get the answer fs is comma so you can see see that just to demonstrate the point really we also saw ofs the variable which is all in capitals ofs which is the output field separator and it controls the the format of the output record produced when you use the print statement and normally it's set to a space so I'll give an example here where awk is run and there's a begin rule within it and it simply consists of print followed by in double quotes hello comma and then in double quotes world so there's two two um, arguments to the print command separated by a comma and the answer produced is hello space world because the comma when it, whenever you, you put a comma in one of these things it it, um, it tells the print statement to output the OFS um, variable contents which is a space by default so if you were to do my second example which is pretty much the same except that Instead of there being a comma between hello and world, two separate strings, there's nothing. Then you get hello world with no space in between them. And that's because Orc has seen these two strings as the arguments to print. And it's concatenate them together and given print one argument, which um, consists of the string hello followed by world, no spaces. OFS variable can be set to a string if you want to. So I did a rather silly example where I set in a begin rule OFS equals um, double quotes space blurg close uh, du- space double quotes semicolon print hello comma world as before. And then you get out instead of a space between hello world, you get the word blurg. 
just proves the point. can be useful sometimes. Now, the OFS variable only affects the behavior of print, not printf. So there's an example here showing OFS being set to a tab character. Then we print out using printf, hello world, and uh, it comes out without a tab in it. There's no effect. So it's worth just... just reiterating that printf is always followed by at least one argument and that first argument has got to be the control or the format string which specifies how what it's to print out and how it's to be formatted and then it can be followed by any number of further arguments separated by commas so this one has got the first argument is this string that's got percent %s space percent %s backslash n in order to get a new line at the end of it. And then comma, then the string hello, comma, and then the string world. So the three arguments in total. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.